Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Make no mistake about it. The God of Scripture is a God of vengeance. What does that mean? Simply that God will judge sin. The cross is a great example of that. Where God's judgment fell upon Messiah, where he took the sins of the world upon himself. And the cross shows how serious God is in judgment. But there's good news. If you accept Messiah and his death upon that tree, therefore all of that judgment no longer is relevant for you. We will not experience the judgment or the wrath of God for us in that new covenant relationship through the gospel. We will never experience the wrath of God. We have received grace, the grace that saves, the grace that causes us to be a new creation. And I've shared with you many times that that word new is related to the kingdom of God. We're in a kingdom covenant. We have a kingdom hope. We are going to be recipients of the blessings of God. But we need to also warn ourselves. Remember what David prayed in Psalm 139. Now, I would encourage you to read all of the Psalms, especially the one I'm referring to now, Psalm 139, especially at the end of that psalm where david says uh test me try me examine me and see if there's anything displeasing to you why would david say that well we all share in this common experience we as believers we love this book we love our god we, we, we submit to Messiah's lordship, his authority over our life. But nevertheless, there are times because we're still in this body, we're still in this fallen world, this world of darkness and sin and deceit. And what can happen? Well, little by little, it begins very small. It can be sometimes very innocent at first, but we begin to turn away. And we become influenced by the things of the world. And therefore, sin creeps in. And not only sin, but that enemy. He gets a foothold. And he takes that foothold and turns it into a stronghold. And therefore, it is wise. In fact, it is a necessity for every believer to daily to go before God. God I pray to you, examine me. Are there any things that have crept in that, that are displeasing to you, that belong not to you, but rather to the enemy? 
Is he working in my life? Am I doing something, thanking something that gives him access to me? We need to be people that constantly examine ourselves and bring ourselves under the authority of truth. That is the authority of the word of God. Why? As I said, don't be deceived. Our God is a God of judgment. Now, for believers, we're not going to experience judgment, but we want to live in a praiseworthy life. We don't want to stumble. We don't want to embrace those things that are not pleasing to God. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Peter and chapter 2. Now, we've learned something. As I said, our God is a God of vengeance. Don't believe the false teaching that says, oh, that's only the Old Testament God. He's different today. No, we're reading from the New Testament. And what we see here is that the New Testament God, who is, of course, the same God, he doesn't change. Why? He's perfect. Perfection needs no change. You can't improve that which is perfect. God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Of course, that verse from Hebrews is specifically about Messiah, but it's applied perfectly, not only to God the Son, but God the Father. We find that the Trinity does not change. Therefore, we need to understand what Peter is saying about this God of vengeance, this God who will indeed, in the day of the Lord, at the end of, of Daniel's 70th week. God will indeed pour out his judgment, pour out his vengeance, pour out his wrath. Look with me to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10, where he says, and he's speaking about those who are rebellious, those who will reap God's punishment. Notice what he says, verse 10, but especially the ones having gone after the flesh in corrupt or impure or unclean desires. Now, here's the fact of the matter. A believer at times, if we don't guard ourselves, if we're not in the word, if we're not walking in obedience, what will happen? Our desires can be conformed not to the things of God, but the things of this world. We don't want that. So he's warning us here. It is wise to study this because even though we are not going to be recipients of his wrath, if we live incorrectly, not obediently, we're going to experience discipline. That's not pleasant. Thank God he disciplines those whom he loves. He brings about change in our life when there needs to be change. But notice what he says here to those non-believers. He's warning, he says, but especially the ones going after the flesh in desires that are, are, are unclean. It's the word for, for polluted, polluted desires. And what else? Well, not only do they walk after the flesh and motivated by impure desires, but it also says, and authority they despise. 
a very strong word. They don't like authority. They like what they want. And therefore, anyone that says this is not proper, they'll say, well, who are you to judge me? And I have my truth, you have your truth. No, it's God's truth. So they despise authority. And notice something else. It says, having despised authority, what are they? They are bold. This is, they have a degree of pride that wants to be the center of attention. This word bold means they want to be prominent among society. And they are self-willed and not trembling before that which is glorious. Now, we can understand this as those who are only about pleasing self. Therefore, that which is holy, righteous, that which has authority, those things that belong to God, it says they don't tremble before. But what do they do? Blaspheming these things that are glorious. Now, here's what we need to understand. This term blaspheming, we saw it last week, and Peter uses it several times. Why? He's talking about the last days. He's giving counsel, spirit-led counsel that he received, that he wrote down for you and me. And Peter understands something. When you look at the book of Revelation, and it speaks about that beast, which is that Antichrist empire, both the Antichrist and his empire is a blasphemous character. That's what they belong to. That empire is going to blaspheme God. And blasphemy is, is rooted in rebelliousness. And the Antichrist is going to rebel against the law of God. That's why he's the man of lawlessness. And we see his empire is going to be very opposed to the character of God. See, that which is pleasing to God is rooted in his character. We praise the name of God, meaning we agree that God's character is good. That's what it means by praising his name. We say good things about God. We praise him with good words, but we're acknowledging how wonderful, how proper, how right, how glorious is the character of God. And the Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit is against the character of God. It has a blaspheming nature. Look now to verse, verse 11. It says, where angels. Now, these are not the sinning angels that we talked about last week, but these are righteous angels, submissive angels, angels that are serving the purposes of God. And notice what it says about them. Where angels, being ones that are, are stronger and more powerful, but they did not bring against them, meaning against these who are, are deceived, those who are blasphemous, those who are rebellious. It says, these angels did not bring against them a blaspheming judgment from the Lord, meaning this. They, in speaking about those 
that are, are rebellious, those who are blaspheming, they did not blaspheme, meaning they did not speak in such a harsh way. What does that mean? They showed restraint before God. They did not say anything that was so harsh because they wanted to speak in pure speech, in a holy manner. And that which is modest and also that which is rooted in righteousness. So don't allow even a sense of, of retribution, a righteous retribution to cause you to behave, to do, to speak in a way that is not in line with the character of God. That's what verse 11 is saying about these angels. They did not allow their righteous indignation to cause them to speak or behave in a way that was not in agreement with the character of God, verse 12. But such, these are the ones who follow after the flesh, who are rooted in, in impure desires. He says, but such are as beasts, that are irrational, those who have been born naturally, meaning born in this world in the nature for being captured and for destruction. So these that are, and it's literally, I translate like most Bibles do, illogical or irrational, depending upon your Bible. But if we look at this word, it's the word for against, and then the term word. They are against the word, meaning that there's a rebelliousness to them. So these individuals look again, verse 12, but such ones as beast against the word, having been born only in the nature, meaning the natural, not the spiritual, and they are going to be captured and destroyed in their own ignorance. Now, this word ignorance is, again, against knowing. They did not want to submit. They were not wanting to know anything that was of God. What were they about? Again, the third time, they were blasphemers. Those things that were good, holy, righteous, pure, those things that are related to God himself and the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom, it is full of the glory of God. It's going to extol the character of God. They are against such things. They do not want them. And therefore, notice what it says in the scripture. Verse verse. 12, the ones who are ignorant and blaspheming, and it says in their own corruption, they will be corrupted. Now, we can translate it another way. This word corruption is closely related to the word for destruction. When one is corrupt, that is destroyed. It has no purpose, no worthiness, no nothing of value. So that which is corrupt, spoiled, what do we do? We throw it out. We, we can't use that. This is the term that's being used here. 
So it's corrupted and destroyed those same things. Now, most translations will say that they are utterly corrupted and they're going to be destroyed. That's true. It's because of their corruption that brings destruction upon them. Look now to verse 13. Now, if you have a modern translation that is rooted in the Greek text by Nestle Allen, it's going to have a word which speaks about injustice. And I believe that is a wrong word. It's not part of the original text. If you look, for example, at the Texas Receptus, it has a different term entirely, which fits better because they are not suffering unrighteousness. It's because that they are unrighteous that they're going to suffer judgment. And when we look at it in the best Greek New Testament, it says it's a word for commission in, in English. You, you work and you earn commission. It's an outcome. It is a production of, and that's what it's saying here. It says they are going to receive just like a salesperson receives commission for their work, they are going to receive the wage of unrighteousness. That's what God's going to do. If you behave righteously, you're going to reap a commission, a reward, a blessing. You're going to take hold of the promises of God. But if you are unrighteous and living in sin and in rebelliousness against God, you're going to reap, you're going to be paid out. And notice what it says, the wages of unrighteousness. Why? Because these individuals, they were esteeming pleasure in the day of, of pleasure. What it means is this. They saw themselves and the opportunity for themselves to live luxuriously, to, to feed their flesh. That's what that word means for luxury or, or pleasure. They sought after pleasure. And in the day, meaning when they had an opportunity to, to live luxuriously, or we could translate this to indulge themselves in the day of their indulgence. It's what it's speaking about. What happens? Well, indulging themselves in these things for pleasure brought about, notice what it says, a spot for them to be, be those of spots and blemishes, meaning they grew corrupt. Living in luxury, living in that self-indulgent spirit, it says because of that, in their deception. Now, this is what happens. What Peter is doing here is teaching us a principle. When I pursue the things that I want, my flesh wants, I indulge in those things, I seek the luxurious things that this world has to offer. What happens? Well, that, what's the next term? Their deceit. When we pursue luxury in this world, it is going to have a deceiving influence within us. We're going to be easily deceived by the enemy. That's what he's saying here. And these individuals, where else were they? Well, even though they were of an impure mind, 
They rebelled against authority. They, they lived a blasphemous life, blaspheming God and the things that God said were good. What were they doing? Feasting, Peter says, with you. He's not talking about those that are outside the body of believer, outside the congregation, but those who are within the local place of worship, within the local assembly, the church. That's where these are. And that's why we need to understand that in the last days, that the enemy is going to manifest himself not only apart from us, but from within us. And John in 1 John prophesies. He says there's going to be those that go out from us, and the fact that they went out from us proved that they were never of us. They were never of, of true believers. So this is who he's speaking of. Look at verse, 13, verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery. Now, this word for adultery is a word of, of spiritual idolatry. Now, I'm sure they lived in an adulterous way, meaning sexually impure. But probably in the context, it means spiritually impure. Following after idolatry, those things that, that, that want us to submit to them. And what's the motivation to submit to these things? We think we're going to get what we want. We want to use them for indulging ourselves. So he says, look again at verse 14. Having eyes full of adulteries and unceasingly sinning, deceiving or tempting, seducing, unestablished souls, meaning those that are either very young in the faith or those who aren't even in the faith. So deceiving, seducing, tempting, unestablished souls and exercising a heart of, of covetousness. Here again, the thing that's consistent is these people are ruled by their own desires, what they want. So they have a heart that has been exercised in covetousness and having, and notice what it says, having children of the curse, cursed children. Now, what is that a reference to? The future, the next generation. And what it's saying to us in the biblical way is that their future, yes, their children too, but their future is a cursed future. That's what we are being told. Now let's look at our, our last verse, verse 15. Leaving the straight way, having been led astray, all these desires, all these things that they are, are seeking, this, this blaspheming attitude against the character of God, all these things have led them astray. So once more, leaving the way of truth, being led astray, going after, following after the way of Balaam, of Basor, who the wage of unrighteousness he loved. Now, you remember this one, Balaam in Hebrew. 
He's the one that said such things as, oh, I can only do what the Lord wants. If you, and he speaks to the king, and he says to the king of the Moabites, he says, even if you were to give me your, your home full of silver and gold, I have to do what the Lord says. Now, what he's saying is this. If I have a, a watch, and if I say, I would not sell this watch for $100. You know what I've told you? Well, I'll sell it, but it's going to be more than $100. What he was saying is, if you're going to get me to do this, it's going to cost you a lot. Why? That, that indulgent spirit, that desire for luxury. This is Bilam. And therefore, it tells us plainly, look at this verse. Having led, having fled or, or departed from the way, the straight way, being, being led astray, following after the way of Balaam, this one, the son of Basor, of Basor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That's him. Unrighteousness is directly related to the character of the Antichrist. Why? Well, I've shared with you. The Torah, the law of God, is not an instrument that makes one righteous. The law of God cannot save. What does the scripture say? It's obvious that no one is justified by works of the law. So it's not an instrument of salvation, of, of righteousness, but through the commandments, we learn what is right and what is wrong. We learn what is righteous and what is unrighteous. And therefore, the Antichrist and that blaspheming spirit, it is against that which is right. It is against righteousness. And therefore, Bilam, he's kind of an a example for us of one who is willing to compromise willing to manifest his true nature if the payment is high enough. What does it say? This one loves the wage of unrighteousness. He's willing to do unrighteous things if he gets rewarded, if the wages are high enough. Why? Because he wants to use those wages for that spirit of self-indulgence so that he can live in a luxurious manner. Why? He thinks this is going to exalt him, to show others how glorious he is. And this is that blaspheming spirit. Rather than wanting to exalt God, extol him, esteem the things of God, praise him, thank him, adore him, instead of that, it's all about wanting to exalt self. And who does that sound like? Well, that is the mindset of the enemy, of Satan. What do we learn in Isaiah 14? That Satan, he wants to put his throne above God's throne. He wants to be God. That's not the disciple. A disciple wants to exalt his master. We as believers, we want to laud praise and give glory and thanksgiving and honor to our Savior. That is the heart of someone 
who has been redeemed by the precious blood of our Lord and Savior. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.